0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
1: Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with breaking details about a shooting in Vancouver's River District.
0: The shooter blasted away at a vehicle with two adults and a baby inside. Luckily, they escaped. Tanya Beja joins us now from the area where this all unfolded. In Tanya, police are now hoping to speak to anyone who witnessed it.
2: That's right, Chris. And from what we understand, there were many people in this area at the time. Uh, The shooting happened just down the street around five o'clock Monday evening, one of the bullets actually pierced the glass of this building under construction and workers in the area tell us they were just getting off shift when they heard the gunfire. Now, police say a man got out of his car in the 3400 block of Sawmill Crescent and fired several shots at a vehicle passing by. Inside that vehicle, two adults and a baby. Thankfully, they were able to drive away without getting hit. Now, investigators do believe this was a targeted shooting. Here's more from from witnesses and police
3: I heard
4: six to eight loud bangs pretty quick uh, I do have a little step there I did jump up to see what was going on I thought maybe firecrackers all of a
5: sudden a beige SUV ish type style ripped around this corner wheels screaming and that's when I realized oh my gosh it could have been something
0: different
6: which it ended up happening a few minutes later police tape up it's a busy neighborhood. Uh, lots of residences. There are some businesses. The time of day was uh, quitting time at work, so there were people, uh, people in, in the
7: neighborhood and out on the street. So we would like to speak to anybody who saw what happened, or
8: has information about what happened.
2: The suspect is being described as a South Asian man in his 20s, and as you heard, police are asking anybody with information about this to contact them. Chris and Sophie, back to you.
0: All right. Thanks very much, Tanya. Meantime, charges have now been approved against 59-year-old Cho Wing Ma of Vancouver. Ma is accused of one count each of sexual assault and robbery in an attack last Thursday. Police say a woman in her 20s was attacked by a man who struck up a conversation with her at an East Vancouver bus stop and then followed her home.
1: Day two of the murder trial for the man accused of killing Abbotsford Police Constable John Davidson. Oscar Arfman has pleaded not guilty to a charge of first-degree murder in the 2017 shooting. Today, another witness took the stand, introducing several key exhibits. Romina Dea joins us live with the details. Remina this was an IHIT investigator today.
7: Yes, Sophie, IHIT investigator Constable Jason Lee, now he showed the court two bullet fragments which were extracted from constable john davidson's body he showed the officer's bulletproof vest and exhibit 17 a rifle which he pointed up at the ceiling in the court so that everybody could see and sitting in the front row of the gallery was davidson's entire family Now, the gun entered as an exhibit today was found in a stolen car driven by the accused Oscar Arfman, according to Crown. Ah! Davidson was responding to a report of a stolen vehicle when he was ambushed and shot in the back not once, but twice, says Crown. Adding that 30 witnesses are expected to take the stand between now and August, including one who saw the second shot. Now, Arfman, a senior citizen from Alberta, was struggling with mental health issues at the time of his arrest, said his family. It's unclear if this will make up part of his defense. Sophie, Chris.
1: Rumina Dea at B.C. Supreme Court in New Westminster. Rumina, thank you.
0: More concerns tonight that Canada's new impaired driving laws are overreaching. Previously, police needed reasonable suspicion of drunk driving before they could demand a breathalyzer. Now they don't. It's a scenario that played out for a Nanaimo woman recently. Richard Zussman explains the bizarre situation and why critics say it's a violation of basic human rights it was a phone
6: call rattling lee lowry the police wanting to come see her at her sister's
7: maple ridge home they said that there was some a personal issue that they needed to speak to me about directly and immediately i assumed that something had happened to a family member or my mother or my sister was out of the country
6: but it wasn't a family emergency police suspecting lowry of impaired driving and under the new federal rules, police have up to three
7: hours from any Canadian being on the road to demand a breathalyzer test. And I had explained to them that we were sitting in my sister's backyard at her pool when they showed up. And I was I was having a beer. That's what we do when we sit by the pool. You're detained right now for investigation.
6: Oh, okay. Lowry pulling out her cell phone when the police arrived, recording this video. She failed the test and had her car impounded and license restricted. In the end, the courts ruled police put down inaccurate statements on paper. But even though she got off,
7: Lowry says the damage was done. I've never been so violated or so horrified with the country I live in.
6: The federal rules came into effect last year and they apply across the country. But lawyers are convinced that they are a breach in people's constitutional rights. Police are abusing the new rights and the provisions that they have under their authority under the criminal code. The change is also giving police the power to require breathalyzers for drivers who show no signs of impairment. A constitutional challenge has been launched by Norma McLeod, a Victoria woman unable to trigger a breathalyzer due to a breathing condition. The B.C. government says it's looking into the concerns. Given the number of, uh, of complaints that we are starting to see, um, I have written to the federal minister saying that this is an issue.
7: Lowry now back behind the wheel of her car. I haven't had so much as a traffic violation in 25 years. It was it was horrible. Speaking out with the hope the rules
6: will change and what happened to her will never happen to anyone else. Richard Sussman, Global News, Victoria.
1: Well, British Columbians, and especially Metro Vancouverites, love to talk about the real estate market. And tonight, there are new concerns about the possible extent of the slowdown we're seeing. A new report indicates the sluggish conditions could last for the next two years. Sarah
9: McDonald has more on what's driving the downturn. Slumping sales, slow housing starts, and an overall softening market. The latest outlook on Metro Vancouver's once red-hot real estate landscape. Now seeing recessionary conditions, according to a new forecast by Central One Credit Union, singling out the province's real estate sector as flailing in an otherwise thriving economy and pointing to government policies as the driving factor behind the downturn. Higher priced markets like Vancouver are more impacted by uh, anything that impacts a down payment constraint. So, this is largely a buyer's market. The report projects a third consecutive year of slumping home sales in this province, with this year expected to see an 11% drop in transactions, the fewest since 2013. The median home price also expected to drop by more than 4%. That's a seven year low for this market.
4: We've artificially suppressed prices, and that's pretty interesting because Generally speaking, governments like to see high housing prices.
9: Which makes B.C. an anomaly in some respects, as the foreign buyers and speculation taxes continue to have a tangible impact, with high interest rates and stricter rules for financing at a federal level, holding back prospective first-time buyers.
6: These were all geared at, uh, you know, curtailing demand to some extent. We're seeing this, which which is going to provide uh, relief to some folks that want to get into the market, but again, can be stressful for folks who who have uh, properties that they're counting on for retirement.
9: And some are still biding their time when it comes to diving in as the market trends downwards. The
10: efforts to dampen demand are usually pretty temporary. We're going to be coming out of this sort of downtrend over the next
6: year or two.
9: This latest report pinning Vancouver at the epicenter of the province's real estate slump. Sales dropping 40 percent since last December. Sarah McDonald, Global News.
1: Keith Baldry joins us with more on this. Keith, how much are government policies to blame and... It- Is what we're seeing now the intended effect of the new rules?
4: Well, you heard Sarah mention the speculation tax and the foreign home buyers tax. As soon as those were introduced, there was an appreciable uh, decline in the number of housing transactions. But the price of housing hasn't really uh, gone down to the point I think the NDP was looking for. A $5 million home that turns into a $3 million home isn't really that much more affordable. I caught up with Finance Minister Carol James in the hallway today. She says there's also other things at work here, external factors, including a slowing economy. Here's the minister.
8: We're not going to fix the housing crisis overnight. It's a challenge that took a lot of years uh, to develop and it's a challenge that we're going to have to continue to monitor. Government also doesn't control all of the tools. Obviously, the slowdown in economy has an effect. The mortgage rules at the federal level have an effect, so we're going to continue to monitor. I'm cautiously optimistic of some of the positive signs that we see, but there's more work to be done.
4: There's also an impact on Carol James' budget because you look back a couple years ago at the property transfer tax revenues, big part of the budget, that's going to be down more than $300 million a year from the peak it was just a couple of years ago. So slowing the housing market means bad
0: news for the B.C. government's bottom line.
1: Absolutely. All right. Thanks for that, Keith.
0: The province is looking to crack down on B.C.'s post-secondary institutions following revelations they haven't been immune to money laundering. In Peter German's report released earlier this month, we first learned of allegations schools are being used as banks where dirty money is washed. Nadia Stewart has more on the crackdown and how long schools have to comply.
8: We know that dirty money is making life more expensive and hurting all of us in British Columbia. But what we did not know was B.C.'s post-secondary institutions were also getting caught up in the mess. The revelation coming to light earlier this month. When Peter German's report revealed there were concerns international students were paying tuition in cash over paying into their student account, then asking for refunds by check, or using an educational agent to pay on the student's behalf, then withdraw and ask for a refund. Earlier today, I sent letters to every post secondary institution in BC asking them to immediately review their financial policies. All 25 public colleges and universities and 342 private career training institutions receiving this letter Tuesday, asking schools to look at their policies on cash payments, specifically large sums from a single student. From luxury cars to real estate, casinos and now places of higher learning, it seems anywhere criminals could find a loophole to clean their dirty money in BC, it was exploited.
0: Uh, The money was essentially moved out of... The
8: man behind the report speaking to Vancouver City Council Tuesday. Though municipal government was beyond the scope of his mandate, Peter German had this to say when councillors asked him for advice on how any loopholes here could be closed.
6: I don't think it would hurt to, you know, to look at some form of uh, anti-money laundering committee to, you know, look at the various aspects of your enterprise and say, okay, you know, have we got it covered off?
8: As for the schools, they have until June 30th to report back to the Ministry of Advanced Education. Nadia Stewart, Global News.
0: Right now, though, we're hearing some horror stories tonight from migrant workers hired to work on a farm belonging to one of Canada's richest families.
1: The Aquilini Group, which owns the Vancouver Canucks, was ordered to pay back wages and vacation pay to temporary foreign workers employed on their blueberry farm last summer. And tonight, those workers are speaking out about the abuse they say they suffered. Here's Erin
7: apoyo.
4: Six women, migrant workers, all in Canada to help their families to a better life, speaking through a translator of terrible conditions, both in the fields and in the housing provided by the Golden Eagle Blueberry Farm.
1: In 2017, uh, once uh, Mr. Aquilini didn't allow the manager to give her water.
11: In the house, there were
1: 676 women. There were The rooms were really small, where we leave three to four people in. Golden Eagle is
4: owned by the Aquilini Group. This month, the company was hit with a $133,000 penalty for failing to pay the wages of 174 workers, as well as a $500 fine. The BC Coalition of Employment Standards is speaking out against what it calls predatory employment practices.
5: This is the employer that owns the Vancouver Canucks, the employer that pays... Their hockey players between $1 and $7 million per year. And all they're fined is $500 for violating the rights of 174 workers. This is a travesty.
4: The Aquilini group responded to Global News via email, saying that many of these allegations are extreme, unfounded and false. Citing the lack of water claim is particularly egregious. This is the first the company has heard of the allegations and it intends to investigate them fully.
5: It's disgrace that the former police chief should be, should be um, excusing golden legals for the, for the treatment of these workers.
4: Most of the workers owed back wages have left the country. The six women speaking out, still in Canada on open visas, no longer in the agricultural sector. Erin MacArthur, Global News.
1: A terrifying wildlife encounter near Kamloops earlier this month caught on video.
3: Come, Milka! Leave it! Whoa, bear! Whoa, bear!
1: That's dog walker Ashley Gribble coming face-to-face with a black bear near McQueen Lake on May 5th. The animal stalked her and her dogs for some distance. Gribble tried to use bear spray, but it didn't hit the animal. When she stepped backwards and fell down, the bear lunged toward her and began attacking one of her dogs.
6: She picked up a log and struck the bear several times um, and was able to uh, free the dog. Uh, At that point, uh, the bear disengaged for a period of time and she continued on to her vehicle with the dog.
1: Gribble's dog survived and conservation officers say she did everything right by backing away, talking loudly and even deploying her bear spray.
0: Some troubling news today on the gray whales as they migrate north along the west coast. Three more have been found dead, washed up on the shores of Haida Gwaii. This just adds to the record number of casualties found between California and Alaska so far this year, now totaling more than 60. Experts say the number will likely continue to climb in Canada as the whales make their way through our region. Now, partners on both sides of the border are working to determine how they died.
6: A lot of these animals are emaciated, that
0: means they're really malnourished. So quite a few of these animals, what we think is happening, did not quite get enough to feed last year, so they've used up all of the reserves that they have in their blubber. While the number of deaths is far above normal for the species, the population as a whole is actually doing quite well, recovering from just a few thousand in the post-whaling years to now more than 20,000 but that could also be playing into the problem as they may now be operating near the limit of their food supply.
1: Prom season is approaching and that means parties with booze and drugs often follow grad ceremonies.
0: To warn students about the deadly consequences of drunk and distracted driving, one BC community is keeping it real with a message it hopes will hit home. Linda Aylesworth reports.
3: No one can set a mock crash scene as well as a first responder. And nothing can make it more realistic than a makeup artist and a group of young actors.
12: I have a spinal injury because I (laughs) hit the windshield, so I'm probably going to be a little bit unconscious.
6: We wanted to show the kids of the school and provided some education on what a serious or fatal collision would look like.
3: It's an education they hope will help this year's grads at Port Moody Secondary avoid being involved in a real crash. Speed, top factor,
11: distractions,
3: impaired driving, alcohol or cannabis, drugs. They
2: told me that I'm barely breathing and my pulse is very weak.
3: Shayna volunteered to play the victim of an impaired young driver who's t-boned her car.
10: When you get out, just yeah. knock a couple out.
3: Her motivation? I think it's a really good thing that they're gonna, because I know a lot of my friends are reckless drivers and I want them to learn from this. And so it begins. Greg,
6: you want to check her? Let to check this car. She's not responding. Okay.
2: Right from this.
3: So our staff was tasked with
4: the responsibility of securing the vehicle and then removing parts of the vehicle so that we could access the patient and treat the patient. Right,
8: you guys
3: manage the airway. I'm going to get a uh, ECG. The patient isn't doing well. So just pulse. Neither is the impaired driver who caused this mayhem.
9: So you blew a fail, you're under arrest right now for As
3: for his passengers... One, two, perfect. And then there's Shayna.
4: The doctors asked me to cease and desist our efforts to resuscitate this individual. Uh,
3: it's all very much as it would be in an actual emergency, with one exception. No one really died.
2: Why do you look so sad? So so sad.
3: And with any luck, no one will.
12: I hope that they watch this and they picture themselves in our situations, because it could be any one of us.
3: Linda Aylesworth, Global News. <laughs> Tornado on the ground. How long this dealership?
1: A tornado outbreak in Ohio claiming another life overnight. Multiple twisters tearing apart the western part of the state. Homes ravaged, trees and power lines snapped and entire communities have been left in ruins. At least seven people have died in the last two weeks during a record-breaking string of severe weather across the Midwest and Plains. And The damage is not over. More severe weather is in the forecast for the battered region.
0: We are hearing tonight from the hiker rescued after spending 17 days lost in the jungle in Hawaii.
1: She's sharing a miraculous survival story, including the very moment she finally knew she was saved.
2: Tonight, Amanda Eller flanked by her family, talking about those 17 grueling days lost in the Maui jungle after becoming disoriented.
3: I tried all these different paths, and then I was like, oh shoot, these are not bike paths, these are not walking paths, these are boar paths.
2: Badly injured, she did whatever she could to survive, facing treacherous terrain, even a flash flood. And I was sitting in a, a, a foot of water on hard rocks, but I didn't have another choice. Her family and those rescuers never giving up. And the helicopters are passing over and I'm standing on rocks and waving them down and they're passing over and they're not seeing me, I'm invisible. And
3: that moment she finally saw them. And when I looked up and I saw the helicopter right over me and
2: he's pointing right at me, I just like fell to the ground and just started bawling. Hoisting her to safety, it was Javier Cantaloupes and his team of searchers. I just collapsed and it was like the best first hug ever. Last night, so many more hugs when she saw her rescuers for the first time since her ordeal. Now those same searchers already on a new rescue mission looking for another missing hiker. Tonight, grateful to be alive. Grateful for every breath. Grateful for everything. Um, and I hope I never lose that. Molly Hunter, NBC News, Maui.
1: Green Party leader Elizabeth May is reacting today to controversy involving Green Party MP-elect Paul Manley.
0: On Monday, Manley denied being part of the 9-11 truther movement, which questions the official explanation and motives of the September 11th terror attacks. After audio from two interviews he did in 2007 and 2011 raised some questions. Today, May spoke out in support of Manley.
7: He no, he made many fire. interviews as a film documentary film writer and I found nothing disturbing about his interview because of the time at which it took place and that he was calling to question an official story which at the time he was referring to the fact that the US government was trying to claim Saddam Hussein was behind the attack. There is no story here.
0: A Canadian man wins bragging rights to a strange but time-honored cheese rolling competition in England.
1: Excitement and injuries abound as competitors race down Cooper's Hill in Gloucester trying to catch a round of cheese. Toronto's Mark Kitt rolled past dozens of competitors in the pursuit of a dinner plate-sized wheel of Gloucester cheese. The cheese rolling competition draws thousands of spectators with separate heats for children and women in the race for the prestigious cheese title.
0: In health matters tonight, the city of Surrey and Rick Hansen are unveiling a significant achievement in accessibility.
1: Grandview Heights Aquatic Centre receiving RHF Accessibility Certified Gold from the Rick Hansen Foundation. That's a first for any aquatic centre in B.C. The honour comes during National Accessibility Week. The Surrey Swimming Facility has a wide range of accessibility features, including ramps to pools and hot tubs, a portable lift to the main pool and inclusive equipment.
10: You're
0: watching Global News at 6.
1: Hot, dry weather is sparking a backyard burning ban in the coastal fire region. Starting at noon on Thursday, the open burning of small piles of debris will be banned until further notice. Campfires are still allowed unless local bans are in place, but a fire guard must be maintained. Fire information officers say crews have doused several recent fires, and the Category 2 ban is needed to reduce wildfire risks and protect public safety. Well, it's been one year since catastrophic flooding devastated the small West Kootenay City of Grand Forks.
0: Despite a Red Cross effort to help rebuild the community, some residents are still struggling with the loss and unable to return to their homes. Jules Knox reports.
10: Here we are a year later. We don't know whether we should buy uh, what money we have to buy with, if we have money to buy with.
11: The river flooded Mel Pulvermacher's Grand Forks home last spring. And though the waters have long receded, he still feels a rising tide of frustration.
10: The majority of the people, they're very frustrated. They they can't see the sense behind it. People are feeling trapped. So uh, it, it's that trapped feeling. You can't afford to move and you can't afford to rebuild.
11: In September, City Council voted to buy out some property owners, including the entire North Ruckel neighborhood, if it could get the funding. The city says it has applied for $50 million in federal funding, and that money would help cover the cost of the buyouts and go towards shoreline protection. But it's still waiting for a decision.
8: We had some other applications in for um, other pools of funding that were not successful.
11: Part of the problem is that while the province is seasoned in dealing with wildfires, it's had to navigate new waters in handling the aftermath of large-scale flooding.
10: We are a first in terms of big floods.
11: As for help that has arrived, the Red Cross says more than 440 households have been helped by last year's flood fund of $7.2 million, money from both the province and generous Canadians. 1,500 uh, meetings we've had with, uh, with families to talk to them about
12: what their needs are and where they're moving along in their recovery.
11: But that's little comfort for Pulvermacher. He's still left in limbo waiting to learn if the home where his wife was born will be torn down and where he'll be living, if it is. Jules Knox, Global News, Grand Forks.
0: Well, it's the ultimate test of gravity, and in Paris, thrill-seekers are taking it to the next level.
1: This is no ordinary zip line. Rec- recognize this view. We'll have more of the wild ride right after the forecast.
0: And Yvonne Shell joins us now with a look at that. The f- sun finally did come out after uh A bit of a delay this morning.
13: Yes, uh, many people wondering, is it actually going to warm up today? And it did. Uh, We are still looking at a thin layer of smoke, though, across the south coast. And this is from the fires uh, just to the northern half of Alberta that is spreading across the province. We will see some cloud cover building in once again uh, late this evening. And a similar weather picture will greet us for a Wednesday morning. And I'll have more in just a moment. 18 out of the airport, a southeasterly wind at 15 kilometers per hour, bumped up for a few areas near Burnaby and Cultus Lake today to 20 degrees and it was a touch cooler by the water. Portal burning at 26 and just over 30 degrees for many spots near Lillouette, Lytton, Nelson and Vernon today also climbing up to the 30 degree mark and the Peace today up to 28. Now we are still looking at very dry conditions across the province, that cloud cover just building in for the morning hours and then dissipating. The concern though for the afternoon is we've got the daytime heating and the instability is there that we could see some showers popping up for the interior and even a slight risk of a thunderstorm and then it dissipates as the temperatures cool off once again. The fire danger rating at extreme for the northeastern corners, high for many areas, so a reminder. And across the central and southern half, the reminder is to be very diligent with your campfires as well as disposing your cigarette butts and from the smoke that we're seeing from Alberta an air quality uh, statement still in effect for the central and su- southern half of the province and the northeastern corners is where we're going to see that impact the most from the smoke. The piece tomorrow a few isolated showers potentially for the morning and then decreasing cloud cover, breaks for the afternoon. We will see that smoke for the central and southern interior. Temperatures still getting into the low 30s for many areas and across the south coast. So similar weather picture that we saw today, cloud cover for the morning hours, followed by a few breaks by the afternoon. Areas away from the water getting up to 23 and 25. Leading into the weekend so far, it looks to be dry and sunny as well. Our weather window, this was shot this week, a beautiful shot of Vancouver sent in from John. Guys. That is lovely. Thank you, Yvonne.
0: There'll be more shots like that over the next Mm -hmm. couple of days, I'm sure. Right now, a new zipline in Paris delivers a wild ride from a famous landmark. This is what it looks
1: like to leap off the Eiffel Tower. 260 riders won an online raffle to enjoy some of those crazy views and Lots of screaming, as you can imagine. The zip line from the platform on the tower's second floor is 730 meters long and reaches speeds of 90 kilometers an hour. Perrier set it up to celebrate its partnership with the upcoming French tennis open.
0: You know, that is awesome. That is so awesome, but it's not nearly as awesome as what I experienced today. Mm -hmm. Some very happy faces at today's CKNW Kids Fun Picnic at Playland. I was very proud to be a part of it. I see see maybe a future in broadcasting here. Totally. Just one of the many special kids I had the pleasure of meeting at the picnic at Playland. 3,500 children with special needs from more than 200 schools enjoying the rides and tasty snacks. For more than 45 years, the Kids Fund and its generous sponsors have allowed these special children to have playland all to themselves for the day. And I am honored to serve on the Kids Fund Board of Directors. Thanks to all of the sponsors and to all the teachers and EAs and everybody else who helped the kids on this special day. It was great,
1: fun day, and sure it didn't was. rain. So. Yeah, it was nice. Yes, it was it pleasant was. out there.
0: Yeah, really nice. And Finn showed up too. Yes, Finn was there. Finn so was. were the.
1: Jake said, "You know, the opportunity to go to the playland anytime he can."
0: All the star wars characters i really? saw cinderella
10: oh wow is wow
1: a day after we heard about an idea for a jurassic west fan zone for raptors fans in vancouver wanting a place to watch the nba finals featuring toronto and the golden state warriors now we have news it won't be happening after all city of vancouver saying today it simply doesn't have enough time To plan and choose an appropriate location for such an event.
10: How about Sunset Beach with weed? Just call it a protest. Good point.
1: (laughs) Good point.
0: (laughs) Not supposed to make jokes about that.
10: Why?
1: Might still be. I don't know how the grass is after. Okay, I
10: know. I know. I know. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe they're a little gun shy after what happened in 2011. That's a bit. That that's fair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, The Whitecaps' most talented player, or if that's too bold, one of their most talented players is Ali Adnan, despite that crazy penalty kick he tried earlier this season. As bad as that was, he did score a world-class goal Saturday against Dallas. The thing about Adnan is the Caps really don't know how long he'll be here. Technically, he is being loaned to Vancouver by his Italian team, Udine. Think of him as like a leased car, meaning the Whitecaps could buy him out, if the price is right. Uh,
5: it's obvious with everybody that it's a player we want to keep, and um, we're trying everything we can, and the talks, of course, they started.
6: How productive and also how lucrative
10: those talks are will determine Ali Adnan's future in a Whitecaps kit. Adnan remains on load to Vancouver until June 30th, and his value to the Caps is increasing with every quality minute played. Will he take on Reggie Cannon? Oh, he's going to fake
6: the one ball.
4: He's going to go between the valley and that, and he's going to try one. Well! Oh, what
5: a goal! We want to keep him. We really like him. He likes it here. He fits in very well with the group, but because it's not our player, he doesn't belong to us. Uh, we have to stay calm in the process and understand that. Um, maybe he's going to stay, maybe he won't, but we're doing everything for him to stay.
9: Dos Santos has made it
10: abundantly clear numerous times that Adnan is one of the best left-backs in MLS. Statements like that and play like this doesn't help your negotiating power, but if the price is right and we're likely talking at least a couple of million dollars in a permanent transfer, then
5: maybe Adnan stays. But if his Italian side also sees that same on-field value, the white caps could be out of luck. Uh, there's some factors that we have to be a little bit uh, patient with. Uh, just imagine if a coach comes in and says, "No, Ali's going to start for me. He's under contract." You know, there's some factors that that we have to be a little bit patient. But um, I think you guys are all smart enough to understand that we're on it. We're on it. You guys look all more concerned than I am.
10: Dave Tippett has been hired as the Oilers' new head coach. He's one of those well-liked, well-respected guys in the NHL, coached in Dallas and Arizona. He's the kind of coach who insists his players get defensively responsible, which the Oilers usually aren't. But I have to say his record in Arizona wasn't great. He missed the playoffs the last five years he coached there. Mind you, he didn't have a Connor McDavid there either. The Golden State Warriors say injured forward Kevin Durant is going to Toronto. He might be ready to play Game 2 on Sunday. The general feeling around the NBA is without Kevin Durant in the lineup, things even out a bit between Toronto and Golden State. But if he plays, the Warriors' chances of winning go way up. Speaking of that series, maybe Drake does give the Raptors more than just a big-time cheerleader, a 2019 version of what Jack Nicholson used to do with the Lakers back in the day. When the Warriors talk about this series, they bring up Drake's name as much as they bring up Kawhi Leonard's because he is the trash talker they hear most. Even Golden State's coach Steve Kerr is talking Drake. I'm not I'm
6: not worried about I'm not worried about Drake. I called him on his cell phone earlier and uh <laughs> my my daughter's my daughter's rolling her eyes right now she's like dad no more dad jokes please so sorry no he's always up there he's always a character and and our guys are always talking trash with him i don't i kind of think it's it's fun and uh the nba kind of uh embraces the pop culture dynamic of our of the of the league and the stars and the celebrities who are out there and uh we got E40 ready
10: for them, too, so yeah. we're, we're in good shape. <laughs> that's right. E40 is the Golden State's version of Drake. Uh, Jeannie Bouchard today at the uh, French Open against Lucia Cerenko. Uh Bouchard had a rough day. Oh, that's Lost the first set 6-2, and the second set went exactly the same way. But Bianca Andreescu, whose match was suspended yesterday, tied one set apiece, did win. So she's off to the next round, but Bouchard... Is au revoir. There you
11: go. Coming up on ET Canada, Rapstar takes action after a nude photo of hers is leaked. Plus, I doubt Nabby star gives us an exclusive on the upcoming movie and a candid sit-down with superstar Thomas Rhett. That and so much more coming up at 7 right after the news hour. For now, it's back to you, Chris and Sophie.
0: All right. Thanks, Cheryl. I was just uh, messaging Carling Jackson through Instagram saying, Hey, your story's up next. Take it away. Her story is up next. Um,
10: (laughs) Great soccer player, uh, and she thought that was going to be her vocation going forward, a professional Mm -hmm. soccer player. And then everything changed. At first, it seemed change for the worse, but probably change for the better. Mm -hmm. Here's her story. If we use colors as a metaphor, then Carlene Jackson's life incorporates the entire
12: palette. Um, when I was 15 and trying out for Team BC, uh, in, in the middle of tryouts, I was in the hospital 18 times in a month. Um, I had I developed an allergy to all foods, so every time I ate, I'd have anaphylaxis.
10: She did overcome that eventually, but then her promising soccer career was undone by a serious back injury.
12: It just, it was, yeah, it was completely devastating.
10: But in the aftermath of that, Carlene rediscovered her other skill, painting which led her to combine her two loves for FIFA's Street Child World Cup in 2014.
12: We worked with over 230 street children from 18 countries, and uh, a month before the tournament, a child named Rodrigo Kelton was violently murdered in his hometown on his 14th birthday.
10: The story moved her to immortalize Rodrigo on canvas, and the painting became The Talk of Brazil.
12: And then I realized that the power art has for social change to unite people, to um, invoke change. And so it just, that really was a huge light, yeah.
10: And her connections to Brazil sent her into yet another direction.
12: A friend of mine on the Toronto Raptors, the two Brazilian players, Caboclo and Nogueira, Mm -hmm. uh, they were showing their teammates some of my artwork and stuff. And then Amir Johnson had asked, hey, could she do one of me? And that's kind of got me into the athlete world.
10: And it wasn't long before athletes all over the planet began to commission Carling to paint them.
12: It's, it's really cool because I could talk to maybe on a, like a, on a busy day 60 athletes from around the world, sometimes in like five different languages. I'm on Google Translate, okay, what did they say? Um, and on a slow day maybe 15 athletes, which is still a lot, you know. They liked the fact she was a high-level athlete herself. Like, sometimes an athlete will be like, I don't know what I want, and I'm like, what about X, And Y, Z? They're like, I want that, you know, so I, I come from the same background, the same trajectory, the same journey as them, so I can understand the athlete mindset, right? Little details annoy me too, but they're so essential to paintings like this. <laughs> people have just told me that my artwork kind of brings people to life, like it tells their story and their face and their body and their movement. Because um, anyone can paint a portrait, but can you really make them come to life? So I try and make, that's my goal. When I paint, it's not to copy, it's to really bring the person to life, through the, moving through the canvas. Those are beautiful. Those that racy
10: Hustle is r- oh, that, uh, really that's, amazing. That's incredible. I think that one is sold. Yeah. yeah <laughs> yes. For a lot, I'm sure. <laughs> Hopefully a
0: lot. Did she yeah. tell you what she charges
10: for the painting? Uh, no? She did say that she probably could charge more. Yeah, I <laughs> think for some of the athletes, she's probably cutting them too good a deal. But yeah. uh, If we
1: pool our resources, maybe we can get we
10: a get team one.
0: painting.
13: <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe.
10: I don't know. Uh, okay,
0: last word on weather before we go. We I'm do on. have
13: some cloud cover again, so it'll be similar to what we saw this morning. Hopefully to break up for the afternoon, temperatures will bump up, and then it's very pleasant uh, towards the end of the week and also leading into the weekend so far.
0: Good looking week. Thanks, Yvonne.
13: That's all the time we have for tonight. Thanks for joining us.
0: Have, have a good night. Have a good night.